Hi, everybody. Welcome to a mini camp edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, two of the three mini camp practices are in the books. Shortly after we get done recording this episode, we will head out to Clark Hinkle Field for practice number three. But the Biggest happening of the week, and we have a few of them to talk about here on the show, but the biggest one was definitely that performance by Jordan Love in practice on Wednesday. First, I'll get uh, your thoughts, and of course, we can go back and forth on this a little bit, because we both uh, we both walked away pretty impressed. Well, my first thought would be, if this is actually minicamp, and it's supposed to be preparing for training camp, I'm in nowhere in the shape I need to be in for training camp <laughs> right now. I was as wiped out as I think I've ever been by the time I left the office on Wednesday. Well, usually minicamp is not 90 degrees yeah. in, in early to mid-June, so we are we are dealing with that, but I know no one has any sympathy for us. That's yeah. okay. It is. It does feel a little bit different out there. Bit. Yeah, it does feel a little different out there these days. To your point, uh, Jordan Love, man, I mean, again, Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love, everybody cushioned this and said, okay, it's it's one day. Right. There's going to be highs and there are going to be lows. But, I mean, Mike, I said it after practice. Larry McCarron said it after we got done shooting three things. That was his best practice as a pro. Yep. It just was, at least in the sessions that we're able to attend and see. Because last year, Mike, we didn't see much. I mean, he did the young guys' periods, and that was a growing process. But to go and have, as he mentioned, as, as Love talked about, to, to have the practice on Tuesday, that wasn't really what he wanted. Um, you know, left, leaving some plays out there, kind of struggling to find his accuracy. It seemed like he was in a little bit better rhythm. Something clicked on Wednesday, though. And whether it was that wheel route to A.J. Dillon, which I think you could really sense the swagger develop with him after he hit that pass. Yep. He comes back and he hits Aaron Jones on a nice pattern down the sideline, and Aaron, I saw, liked my, my tweet, too. I mean, it was a spectacular catch by Aaron Jones, Great as good catch. as the pass was. But then it was just running the offense, man. I mean, Jawan Winfrey coming free and, and him hitting him wide open. Again, as Darnell Savage said afterwards, they thought it was an offside situation, so the defense isn't really sure what to do. But in those breaking those broke-down situations, the receiver's there. The quarterback has to hit him, and Love did his job there. His out routes looked good. He just seemed like he had a lot of zip on his ball, on, a, on his passes. I, I was really impressed with what Jordan Love put together in that practice. Yeah, I think the thing that impressed me the most was it wasn't, it wasn't just – the in routes, or it wasn't just the wheel routes to the running backs, you know, out of the backfield. It was the variety of passes he was hitting through the course of different 11 on 11 periods, which also included a two minute drill where he hit a deep corner route to EQ St. Brown and a slant to St. Brown and a screen pass to AJ Dillon. There, you know, and as you mentioned before, there were the there were the corner routes. It was the variety of it that really impressed me. It wasn't like okay, he's got this one down, so bang, 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 he keeps hitting the same one. The other thing, and this is how I described it in our three things video, and also in the story that I wrote after practice on on Packers.com, we saw. The first two weeks of OTAs, we got to see one practice each time. And I think we we saw a young quarterback who he was very methodical, very hesitant in working through his progressions in the 11-on-11, and most of the time taking the checkdown throws to the running backs, the safety valve, whoever it might be. We saw that for a couple of weeks. 
Then Tuesday in the first day of minicamp practice, we saw more timing and mm-hmm. we saw more rhythm and we saw the ball coming out. We saw some, you know, more of the throws down the field, except the accuracy wasn't there. He was missing some guys who were open. You know, the ball's a few feet too high. It's a few feet too far outside on the out route, those, those kinds of things. Then on Wednesday, it was another step in the progress where the timing and the rhythm was there, then the accuracy was there, and once that started to click, you could see the confidence just grew, and then he had no problem making those challenge, you know, taking the challenge of the downfield throws, and he wasn't as concerned about the check down or, you no. know, I mean... You could just you could see the growth and the progress. And yes, it's only one day. Now his biggest challenge with today's mini camp practice, which is shortly after this session right here, and then with one more week of OTAs next week, does he establish another a, a level of consistency? Like where what is going to be his level that he takes into training camp? Yeah. Because Wednesday's practice will be hard for him to replicate, quite frankly. Yeah. But what you don't want to see is suddenly a reversion back to what we were seeing in the OTAs with the hesitancy and the and the you know the methodic way he was going about his progression. So that's what we're going to be watching now in these last couple practices that we get to witness. This is what's exciting for me too, because this is the first time I ever watched a quarterback kind of grow in front of my eyes. Now. That's not to say that Tim Boyle did it and, and these other guys that have come through, but they did it with very limited reps. Uh, in these team periods, the way it's working out is he's taking, as I wrote in Insider Inbox, he's basically taking the first and second team reps, and then the rest of the quarterbacks are handling like those number three ones. The team run period that it started with, he got the first 10 reps, yeah. and then Blake Bortles came in for two. He got 10 more, and then it was Kirk Benkert. Kurt Benkert. Sorry, Kurt. Uh, but... <laughs> The thing that impressed me, and I'm curious to see what you think about this, they started off very basic with that team run period. You know, it was, I think, what was it, a quick out? I'm trying to remember what the first pass was to, like, Malik Taylor or something like that. The first, the first, the first pass I remember, which actually I thought was a pretty good throw. Uh, it was MVS on a comeback. MVS, MVS on a yes. comeback route, and boom, he hit it, and and MVS actually kind of escaped the defense, yes. and it turned into a little bit of a big play. And then you kind of go, okay, and then you know, then it was the 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 play action, quick little rollout yeah. to the tight end to Tunyon, which is what we've seen in Staple. this offense, you know, time and time again. And the timing and everything of that was just right. And you could just you as we talked about, you could see the confidence building with a couple of those on time, yeah. you know, rhythm type of plays and uh, and the rest of the practice just went off from there. You're right, it was MBS. I didn't have my notes in front of me, but it was those two plays that after that it just seemed like that's when he started completing pass after pass and you know, to go, I think it was 20 of 31, and a couple of those were throwaways in the red zone period during two minutes. The guy I, I really thought showed up. I thought he looked good. And I you can't discount this, Mike. I know Devontae Adams isn't out there, but having a guy like Alan Lazard, you know, leaping to make an end zone grab, you know, an eight-yard touchdown at the end of two minutes, I know there was some debate with the defense. Yeah, the defense he... wasn't sure about that toe tap in the back of the end zone yeah. there. They didn't want to give, uh, give Love and Lazard that touchdown. But, but that's a six foot five guy with a massive catch radius, and Love put it where Lazard was going to be able to make a play on the ball. Yep. 
those are the moments that I think are really important here now that he has some of these receivers back and being able to get a little bit better semblance of what this offense is going to look like. Yeah, and I don't want to be too misleading here. As I also said in three things, I don't want to give the impression that Jordan Love just you know owned everybody yeah. on the practice field. He did miss a couple of throws. There were a couple of throws that were almost picked off. Darnell Savage almost had a pick. Josh Jackson almost had a pick on a ball that he deflected uh, deep down the sideline. So it wasn't, uh, um, it, it wasn't perfect by any means, but it was impressive, and it was, and it was certainly the best that we've, uh, that we've seen Jordan love. Now, with regard to the wide receivers, they, the top five wide receivers, Adams, Funches, MVS, Lazard, and EQ, they were not at the first two weeks of OTAs, right. but they are here at the mandatory minicamp. Adams is not taking the 11-on-11 reps, but the other guys have been. And, uh, and this is the first time we've gotten to see Devin Funchess in a Packers uniform out there. And um, my first impression, a physically imposing presence on yeah. the practice field this guy's this guy's got some size I mean Devontae Adams is no small potatoes when it comes to being you know a, a, a big physical receiver and and even he said this guy's big man he is and and I know we have him listed on I think on the website at 6'4 I mean we're, we're talking we're talking a couple hair follicles away from 6'5 <laughs> I, I mean, think so I and and I again I always cushion all this by saying that I make everybody look really big. I mean, you could put me next to Mercedes Lewis and you'd think he was Andre the Giant. I mean, it's that kind of deal. But, I mean, when I watch Funches, I mean, I read everything. I've talked to people that have covered him in the league. And just seeing his size and the speed at which he plays, uh, he even mentioned during his media Zoom call on Tuesday, he still feels like he has some of the best feet in the NFL. Uh, this is a guy that you can see why he was a second-round pick. You can see why Carolina was as high on him as they were, and you can see why this guy started in Super Bowl 50. I mean, there there are a lot of intangibles that you can't coach with Devin Funches. The question is going to be now, when he stepped on the field on Tuesday, that was 21 months exactly from the last NFL game he played in. He missed most of that year because of a broken collarbone. That was his one year with Indy. The one year with Indy. Right. And then last year to his credit, stepped away from the game. As he said, he had to make a sacrifice. He had to give up the paycheck because he had to take care of his own situation at home with some family members that were impacted by COVID-19. All that being said, he's back now. He's still 27, soon to be 28, but still, you know, he feels in the prime of his career. And he's excited to compete with these guys. He said it even in a Zoom call. He's not here to take anything away from anybody. He's here to add to an already talented room. Devontae Adams mentions he's talked to him six, seven times this offseason alone over FaceTime. Packers feel like they know this guy pretty well, and now he's finally here. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is, you know, as we know, the Packers had the number one offense, the top-scoring offense in the league last year. Yes, there there is still an unresolved issue with the quarterback. We get that. We will be, I'm sure, talking about it come the end of July. But you add Devin Funchess and Amari Rogers, a third-round draft pick at receiver, you add those two guys to a receiver group that was pretty darn productive despite all of the criticism of the Packers not drafting a wide receiver the previous year. 
um, it's going to be there's going to be some interesting competition here in training camp in terms of uh, you know maybe what the pecking order exactly is going to be when yeah. the regular season rolls around when you're adding a veteran like Funchess and then um, a, a draft pick whom uh, the Packers traded up to select with Amari Rogers. Yeah, and you can see the the wheels kind of turning in Nathaniel Hackett and Matt Lafleur's head because <laughs> certainly there's going to be jobs won and lost. That's what training camp always comes down to. Yep. We got to see how this depth chart is going to look like, but once they settle these depth charts at running back receiver and tight end the multitude of packages and personnel groupings that they can come up with is extraordinary mike i don't know if i've ever seen anything like it because yeah they've gone with some of these taller receivers before you know eq mvs and um, lazard obviously all fit that and certainly as we just talked about with funches but now you got somebody like amari rogers and we saw some of the jet motion concepts with him and where he could fit in there yep you got aj dylan catching wheel routes and those type of things and you got all these tight ends you know with josiah deguara potentially being back here at some point robert tunyon coming back off the 11 touchdown season and obviously the old warhorse in mercedes lewis there are just you think about the the five you know skill position players you can put on the field at any given time obviously Devontae adams is going to be a big one of those but those other four man there's just so many different ways that the packers could roll with that yeah i want to talk about a couple of guys on defense here but first wes sirius xm nfl radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute nfl news that true football fanatics need 24 7 365 all right on the defensive side of the ball he was not here during the first couple of weeks of OTAs when we were watching practice, but we have now seen Jair Alexander back on the practice field. And I tell you what, I mean, if week one were this Sunday, Jair Alexander would be ready to play. Yeah, and you look at him, Mike, the way he's built. Uh, Larry McCarron was the first one that mentioned this. I think you and I could see it, but Larry actually put words to it. Yeah. Uh, Jair came back in fantastic shape. Uh, what you know, he wasn't here during the OTAs, but again, this wasn't a guy sitting on his couch eating potato chips. I mean, he he <laughs> looks like you talk about a twenty. He looks like he's never eaten a potato chip yeah, in his too. life at this point. <laughs> exactly, but he he looks like a twenty-four-year-old All-Pro cornerback. That's and he understands the opportunity in front of him here these next two years to you know really change his life and his family's life. So I, I you know he's one of the hungriest players I've ever met, one of the most motivated players I've ever met, and. Just watching some of these plays, man. You talk about Jordan Love. He he, made, he put some nice passes out there to MVS the last you know two practices, and there's Jair Alexander with a freaking <laughs> Superman cape on, flying out of nowhere to break it up. I mean, Sam Shields had really elite closing speed. That's yeah. what allowed him to kind of make up for some deficiencies in his game. He just was incredibly talented and gifted athletically. Jair is almost picture perfect from a technique standpoint. And then you add in all those athletic intangibles. Uh, this guy is on the precipice of becoming a really special, special cornerback in this league. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that impressed me the most, and you're, you're reminded of it uh, in practice when you see him matched up against MVS, yeah. for example, is this is, this is a cornerback who's you know 5'10", 5'11". I'm not sure exactly where he is there, sure, but he, he's against... He's going up against a six-three wide receiver. You know, forget about the the speed thing too, which MVS is obviously fast, but Jair Alexander is no slowpoke. He's giving up multiple inches to plenty of wide receivers that he covers. But yet, when you watch it, it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't know that. No. I mean, it's not just it's not just that he doesn't it's not just that he doesn't back down from the challenge. It's that you don't even notice the size difference that uh, you know that he has to deal with on the field. 
um, in certain matchups. And, and that's a luxury for Joe Barry, for Jerry yeah. Gray, when you're talking about going into game planning and, and whatnot. It's not like, oh, you know, Jair has to be matched up against. Like They, they can put him against whoever they want. Yeah. And, and that's what I think we're going to continue to see in 2021. I can't wait to see what Joe Barry comes up with with Jair Alexander. It's going to be and fun. Alexander excelled in Mike Pettin's system too, but – you talk about a new defensive coordinator coming in and having, you know, one of the brightest toys to be able to play with uh, in a defensive scheme. Uh, that's Jair to a T. And the other thing too, you and I were walking back up from practice, getting ready for the Zoom calls on Thursday or on Wednesday, and I even remarked it to you. I mean, the thing that impresses me the most about Alexander at this point is in this this point in time in history of the NFL, and referees are just looking for a reason to throw a flag on a cornerback these yep. days. Uh, especially if nothing has happened for the previous three and a half quarters and then Kevin King holds on to a jersey for too long and a guy decides, okay, now is the time to go. <laughs> but we, but we digress. But I digress. <laughs> no, but they're, they're looking for any reason to, 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 to blow their whistle. And Jair, the way he plays this game, his technique standpoint, all that stuff, I, I can't remember the last time he's been flagged for a defensive holding or pass interference. Again, it goes back to the fact that he's so technically proficient that his game, man, just rises to another level. Yeah. I said to you after practice yesterday, we, we've, we've talked to countless numbers of players over the course of our careers. And, you know, Alexander has a very, very distinct personality to him. And I've heard from plenty of guys, plenty of highly touted players, highly successful players in this league who always talk about wanting wanting to be the best. They want to be the best at what they do. Alexander is one of those one of those guys who actually means it. It's yeah. not it's not just some kind of thing to say to the media, so to speak. He he really means it. He go he goes about his uh, he goes about his job that way and it's and really really impressive. I'll continue to say this. I mean, he has one of the most inspiring backstories. He doesn't really like talking about it. Yeah. But he has one of the most inspiring backstories of anyone I've ever covered. This is a guy that he came from nothing, and people told him he was nothing. And the only time that I think he ever really, you know, he never questioned himself. And it was like, I know I'm better than a two- or three-star recruit, wherever he was. I know I'm better than all these other guys out of Charlotte that the newspaper and, and different, you know, scouting agencies are putting up over me. I know it. But he just needed to be able to have the opportunity to prove it, and he eventually did that. So it, there's nothing stopping that guy. He's, he's ready to go. Yeah. One other thing I want to get to on defense before uh, we wrap up today. We talked on a previous show about the pending competition at inside linebacker. The yeah. We were seeing the, the reps being divvied up in the OTAs when you're looking at Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin and Ty Summers and Oren Burks, and you have a rookie sixth-round pick, Isaiah McDuffie, in that mix. Well, now there's another veteran thrown in there because the Packers have signed – Devondre Campbell, who is entering his sixth year in the NFL, his first four years with the Atlanta Falcons, and then a fifth year last season with the Arizona Cardinals. And, um, you know, we've been talking about how how that inside linebacker group is so young uh, for Green Bay. Well, they moved on from Christian Kirksey. They decided to bring in another veteran presence here in Campbell, and I'm interested to see what uh, what Joe Barry and his scheme has in store for this guy. I wasn't kidding when I said this, Mike. I didn't know Campbell was still a free agent. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he signed a nice little deal last year with Arizona and by all accounts played well there. I mean, now Arizona's made some big changes with their inside linebacker core, so I understand why he wasn't back there. 
but started all 16 games. He's averaged 113 tackles or something like that over the last four years, and he also gives you some flexibility as a as a as a blitzer. As a, you know, he's a sack artist too. I mean, he's basically had I think one and a half or two in every year that he's been in the NFL. Uh, in addition to what he did at Minnesota and in you know before that, and the guy, much like Funches just doesn't stop when you look at him. He just keeps going up. I mean, he's just a massive dude, six yeah. foot four, two hundred and thirty two pounds. Yeah, you don't see that kind of height at inside linebacker very often. As you said, he has played some outside linebackers yeah. certainly in the NFL. Packers are looking to add him to the inside linebacker group here. And you don't see you don't see that height in the middle of the field in this type of defense very often. I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean and, and being able to bring in a guy that's played over forty two hundred defensive snaps in the NFL to a really young room, I think can be really beneficial for that grouping. And, and certainly the competition is there. Chris Barnes, Oren Burks, Kamal Martin, Ty Summers, the list goes on and on of the young guys that they have at that position that are all going to be trying to grab roster spots and grab starting roles in this defense. Campbell, I think, is a guy that can really add a lot to that, not only from an experience standpoint, from a veteran standpoint, but just to kind of bump up the competition level. Uh, I, I know we don't get into this type of stuff on our website. I'm very curious to see what the contract structure is like because this doesn't strike me as a guy that would have come in on like a street free agent deal. You're right. Um, right. I, he, he's credentialed, man. I mean, again, when they when that report came out, I think it was uh, De, Rob uh, Domofsky was the first one I saw. I was like, wow, I mean, one, I didn't realize he was a free agent, and two, um, to get a guy like this at 27 years old um, that has been proficient uh, and a guy that Matt LaFleur was experienced with, he played with him in that Super Bowl team in 2016. Um, really, really excited to see what he brings. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of guys in his position when they're free agents, they, they don't get signed in sort of that, you know, the, the primary yeah. stages of free agency, a lot of times they end up waiting until training camp. Somebody gets an injury, you know, on their team or whatever. They have some depth chart issues, and then that's when a veteran like that gets signed and brought in. This is a little unusual, you know, to be right in the middle of June, the middle of mini camp, and all of a sudden you're throwing the guy in there. But now he's, you know, he's got a, a week, week and a half here to to get his taste of uh, of Joe Barry's playbook, and then and then come to training camp that much more prepared. To, uh, to fight for a roster spot and, and for playing time and for a role in, uh, in the new defensive coordinator system. Yeah, and the game changes uh, once you get past, I think this year, was it May 14th, where the unrestricted free agency window ended? So the Packers signing him, that doesn't count towards the compensatory equation for next year. Right. Uh, so that's one thing. And again, seeing what the considerations were, what kind of contract he was looking for, what kind of opportunity he was looking for. Uh, to my eye, again, I, I see a guy that is 27, sixth year in the league, was in that same draft class with you know, Blake Martinez and Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry, young dudes in this league ascending players. So, um, and again, it's a position where the Packers have had a lot of turnover in recent years, and they're trying to find one or two guys they can really build a scheme around. Yeah, well, he'll definitely be a guy to watch, and that is a position to watch in uh, training camp when late July rolls around. But with that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our continuing coverage of minicamp and OTAs and all of it leading up to training camp later this summer on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in everybody. We will see you next time.